2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, we looked, friends, last week at the believer and his trials. And uh, this morning, I'd just like to spend a few moments thinking about the believer and his Bible, the believer and the Word of God. Well, you know, friends, your believer here this morning, you know that when you first came to Christ, everything changed. All things became new. And you began to live a spiritual life, a life of contact with God. And everything was so wonderfully different. Everything was so marvelous when those things were so fresh and so new to us. And one of those blessings that we discovered when we came to Jesus Christ that first time was that the Bible came alive uh, to us in a way that it had never uh, been, never came alive before. Before maybe, before we came to Christ, we found it maybe a drive book, a book that was difficult to understand. What's it talking about? What's it going on about? And we couldn't fathom what it was teaching us. And it's, it was beyond us, so we maybe put it away. We found it, it maybe even a boring book. But when we came to Christ, things uh, changed, and it came alive to us. I should really say, it's the other way around. It's not that the Bible came alive to us, it's that we came alive. The Bible is a living word. It's a a word that is already in itself, we could say, alive, because it is God's word. But we were dead, and the problem was with us. We couldn't understand, we couldn't appreciate the majestic things, the beautiful things, the glorious things that were revealed in, in, in it. But when we were born again by the Spirit, then we were made alive, and then we, were, we had eyes to see these things. The Holy Spirit gave us that insight to see these things, and we began to read it in a, a, a different way. We began to read it every day, and we loved it. We loved to read and to find out and to discover the wonderful things that God has done. And alongside that, uh, as a part of our new birth, we were also given an assurance by the Holy Spirit, a persuasion that this is no ordinary book. This is the Word of God from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. This is God's Word. We don't know where it came from, but we know now it's the Spirit of God. He worked in our hearts, and He gave us that persuasion that no matter what men say, we know that this book from Genesis to Revelation, is the Word of God. And so we know it is true. We know it is always true. Even when we perhaps come across sometimes things that we cannot reconcile, and we come across something in one part of Scripture that says this, and something in another part of Scripture which seems to say something different, and it seems to be contradictory, well, we put it down to ourselves. We say to ourselves, well, it must be a a problem with my understanding, not with the text, not with what I hear, because this is God's Word. There is only one author of the Word. There is only one mind behind these words. It cannot be 
a mistake here. It must be explainable. There must be a reason why I cannot see things as they should be. And then we discover later on, indeed, this is the answer to it. Uh, but we, because we know uh, that, that, that the Word of God is always true. We're sure of it. When we were born again, something else happened to us as in connection with the Word. We began to love hearing sermons. We began to love hearing the Word. We had a, a hunger to learn, a hunger to know more about God, and to hunger to know more about what He is teaching us in the Scriptures. And we longed, uh, we were happy, so happy for the Lord's Day to come and for the midweek meeting to come so that we could sit under the sound of the Word of God and have it explained to us and the sense of it given to us and applied to our lives and shown this is how, as a believer, I am to walk. And we read books, isn't it? I hope we did, or hope, hope we do now at least. We read books to, to help us, which would help us to understand the Scriptures better. And maybe we brought a devotional book alongside our daily Bible reading, again to encourage us and show us things that uh, God has revealed to men in past, and they've put it in print so that we can appreciate it. We learn to say, oh, how I love thy, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. And friends, this is what uh, the Lord has done, the Lord did in us, isn't it? And the more we learn, well, the more sort of free we, we felt, the more we, it, uh, we unlearned those things, all that baggage that came in our pre-conversion days. Well, the Lord began to deal with that baggage and to put away the wrong way of teaching and the, the wrong understandings that we had imbibed from the world and maybe from our own thoughts and other ideologies. The Word of God cleared those things up for us. So how much we love the Scriptures. How thankful we are for the Scriptures as believers. And this is really what I want to talk about in our short time uh, this morning. So, I want to give to you firstly just uh, four different attributes of the Bible, four different things that uh, are, are very important for us to know, and uh, the, uh, this is the sufficiency of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, and the necessity of Scripture, four different attributes. Somebody has summarized it quite nicely with the acronym SCAN, S-C-A-N. S, sufficiency, C, clarity, A, authority, and N, necessity. So, let's just look at these uh, this morning. Firstly, I'm not going to do it in that particular order, but uh, firstly, authority. Well, friends, the Bible is our authority for all that we believe, for, for our guide in life, what is the right thing to do? What is the, what is, how should we do things in church? How do we do church? Well, the, 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 the Bible tells us how we should do things. The Bible is our authority. Why do we do things in this church the way we do it? It's because the Bible has dictated to us. The Bible has been our guide to tell us what is the thing, the, the way that we should do it. It's a common question today people ask. If one believer meets another believer, how do you do church in your church? Well, it shouldn't, we shouldn't have to ask that question because the pattern is set out for us in the Scripture. Every church really should more or less 
be following the same kind of things, following the same kind of order. Not that we, everyone has four hymns as we do and two Bible readings, that may change uh, slightly here and there. But uh, generally, the, the way we do things with coming before God with reverence and with, with God, uh, uh, the Word of God being central, these are patterns given to us in the Scripture. We must, in all matters, where there is a conflict, where there is a controversy of some kind, well, we go back to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say? This is our authority. Often when I'm, uh, I'm often asked uh, by, by people, what's the difference between Roman Catholicism and evangelical Christianity? And I often start here with this point of authority. What is the Roman Catholic Church's point of authority? Is it the Bible or is, is, it, uh, is it the church? Well, they would say, uh, well, we believe the Bible. But yes, but some things which the Roman Catholic Church professes and believes are not in the Bible. For example, the Pope. There's no such thing as papal authority and a papal presence such uh, as the Roman Catholic Church teaches or the auricular confession, or, or praying to Mary and the saints. Those are not in the Bible. So which one is it? Which one should I follow? What's your authority as a Catholic? Well, the, the ch Catholic Church's teaching is the church teaching and the Pope's teaching supersedes it. Uh, it's, uh, it's a higher authority than the Bible. And we say no. As evangelical Christians, not what the church says is, is important, but what God says. This is our authority for all that we believe. And the reason for that is because it is God's Word, as we'll see in a minute. Not only theological subjects, but even science. Science, what happens when there's a controversy between science and the Bible, as there is even today? Well, we stay, the Bible again is our authority. The Bible is always right because it is the Word of God. You know, don't need to tell you, but um, a long time ago, everyone believed the world was flat. Science said the world is flat. It's not circular. The Bible had already said it's circular. In Isaiah, uh, I think it's Isaiah chapter 40, it talks about God sitting on the circle of the earth. Well, friends, the evolution now is a big controversy. The Bible says we are created. Uh, science, science in inverted commas, says that we, are, uh, we come from apes, that we came out of nothing, basically, into what we are today, which is right. Well, friends, uh, there will be, a, I'm sure, at some point in time, that theory, which is still a theory, will evaporate. That theory will be exposed to, to be seen to be not of God. Incidentally, why? Why do people latch on to evolution so much? Why do people want evolution? Why do they grasp it so willingly, so, so quickly, without really thinking about it? Well, friends, the answer is not a scientific one. The answer is a theological reason. There are people don't want God. So they latch on to anything which will give them sort of like an escape clause for believing in God. So evolution is quite nice, it's quite handy. Oh, we all came from nothing, so there is no God. It's all a natural process, and then we die, and that's it. There's no more, no more, no more to us after that. 
Oh, that's nice. That's handy for people to, to latch on to. But it's not uh, biblical. One day there will be a big bang of a different sort when it's shown that this is no longer, evolution is not all that it's made out to be. So the Bible, friends, is our authority because it's God's Word. It comes from His mouth. He is its author. That's what this verse here that we read is saying. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and so on. Inspired. The word, the word means God breathed. Not that God breathed into people, not that God breathed into the words after they were written, but that the words originate from God. They come from Him. They come uh, from His uh, mouth. They are divine words. Every word of God, every paragraph, every sentence, every word itself, as it was originally given, is from God. It's a divine word. It's, it comes from His mouth. It's God breathed. Of course, God used men to write these things. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, we read of holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit used men to write uh, these, uh, these letters and these books that we have. And it happened in such a way that uh, he, what we say, he superintended over them. That is, he put into the minds of the human authors the thoughts and God's will and God's thoughts. And as they were writing these things, he guided them to make sure that whatever they wrote was uh, accurate, was true, and without error, without any fault. It was uh, uh, infallible. So the words are actually the words of God. The human authors, they were not robots. It's not as if the Holy Spirit took over them and and uh, bypassed all their faculties and their abilities. No, the Holy Spirit used their, their style of writing, used their minds, but He was overall the, overall the whole uh, uh, process. So when you read the Scriptures, you will see uh, the individuality of each writer, each author coming through. When you read Peter, you see he's different from James, and he's different from Paul's writing. When you read Isaiah, well, the style of writing is different from uh, Jeremiah's way of doing things. And that's the Holy Spirit who has uh, worked through, uh, uh, through the authors. Uh, an old uh, writer and believer, Christian, J.C. Ra, put it in this way. Yeah, when talking about inspiration, he says the flute, the bagpipe, the trumpet, well, they all give out different sounds. But it's the same breath, the same air, that is blown into each instrument. So behind all the human authors is, of the Scriptures is the divine author, the Spirit of God, who has inspired these things. And because it's so, well, we take this as our authority for all things. But then, let me move on quickly. Clarity is the next. We believe, friends, in the perspicuity of Scripture. That's a big word. It just means in the clarity of Scripture. Things are clear in the Bible. Oh, but there are some things which are hard to believe, you say, or hard read to understand. There are some parts of Scripture which are hard to interpret and difficult to interpret. And we acknowledge that. We, we acknowledge that it is so. Even Peter said the same things about some of Paul's writings. But the essential things, 
the things that we really need to know, the things that concern our salvation, the things about Jesus Christ and who He is and what He did at the cross and what the meaning of His death means for us as, as sinners. Well, those things are very clearly and plainly revealed to us in the Bible. Anyone can understand them. Even a child can understand uh, these things. How am I to be forgiven? Well, you can explain from the Bible these things to a little child, and they can get it, and they can grasp it as they do, and uh, they can understand these things, these fundamental things. So the, there's the, the clarity about those essential things uh, in the Scriptures. As the uh, 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith you know, the first question tells us, the things which are necessary to be known, believed, observed for salvation, and are so clearly propounded and revealed in some place of Scripture or other that not only the educated, but also the uneducated may attain a sufficient understanding of them by the use of ordinary means. Uh, by ordinary means, it means by prayer, and by uh, hearing the word, reading it for yourself, hearing sermons, it's easy to understand uh, what the main uh, teachings of Scripture are. But then we come to our next point, which is necessity. Necessity. Can I get by in life without the Bible? Do I really need the Bible? Well, many people seem to get by in life uh, okay without the Scriptures. They don't read the Scriptures and uh, they don't hear sermons and they seem to be doing okay in life and uh, they seem to be fine. Well, friends, if our earthly lives is all that there is to our existence, if after we die, that's it, we cease to exist like the dinosaurs, then fair, fair and well, we don't need the Bible. But it's not true. We are, we, death is not the end for men and women. You and I, we have immortal souls. We have a soul that will never die. And we have that to, to end up in an eternal and unchangeable state after we die. After we leave this world, we must face God as our judge. And He will judge us and consign us either to a place of, uh, of eternal punishment in hell or into, uh, He will uh, permit us to enter into everlasting joys in heaven. And it all depends where I end up, all depends on this, what I, whether I'm in a right relationship with God, whether I've received the Lord Jesus Christ or not. Am I in a right relationship with Him? Well, how can I find out? How can I know these things? Where can I find the answer to these questions that will bring me into a sure and certain and definite state of acceptance with God, my Maker. It's only in the Bible. It's only here, friends. This is where I come. This is only the Bible comes to our aid. This is the only book in the world which will help you and I to answer those questions and bring us safe to heaven. The only sure guide that God has given to us is the Bible to get us to heaven. Creation and the world, well, they're wonderful, isn't it? God's creation is majestic. You look at God's creation and you can, if you open your eyes, many people don't even see these things. If you open your eyes, you'll see 
the goodness of God in creation. You'll see the wisdom of God in creation. You'll see the power of God. You'll know that there is a God just by looking at creation. And that's wonderful. But it's not enough. It's insufficient to answer those questions. How can I be right with God? How can I be accepted with Him? Only we must, the Bible tells us these things. The Bible, friends, is a necessity. It's a must-have. It's an essential for us as individuals. And it's also essential for us as a church. We don't want man-made ideas to come into the church. We want to do the way God do things the way God tells us to do things. We want to believe what God tells us to believe. And so we must, have, it's essential, it's necessary for us to have the Scriptures. But then, uh, fourthly, we have the sufficiency of Scriptures. Oh, friends, the Bible is uh, sufficient. The Bible is enough uh, for all that we need in this life. How to live a godly life. How to please my, 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 my God how to be as a church pleasing in God's sight. The Bible tells me all I need to know. It doesn't tell me everything about life. It doesn't give me an answer to every single question, but the things that I need, the things that are necessary, well, the Bible is sufficient for those things uh, uh, today. <coughs> all that we need is revealed to us in Scripture. And friends, how we need to hear this word today, that the Bible is sufficient for us. People are saying today, it's not sufficient. We need something more. We need something more in the church than just the preaching of the word. Do you know why we have the, 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 the pulpit central? Do you know why? It's because, friends, we want to show people that the word of God is central in this church. The word of God is what that dictates everything. You know, if you go to a Catholic church or maybe the Anglican church, it's the altar that is at the center. And the pulpit is put to one side. Well, that uh, gives a different impression. But anyway, friends, we need to know that the Bible is all that we need. We don't need today people to stand up in churches and tell us, thus saith the Lord, and declare something new. You don't need that. We have all that we need to know in Genesis to Revelation. And it's actually dangerous to do that. It's dangerous to do that. We bring ourselves under God's condemnation if we do such a thing. Oh, friends, we don't need people today. Do you know, there are many, one of the best-selling books in Christian, best-selling categories within the Christian uh, books, bookshops these days is about those people who have apparently been to heaven and then come back to earth. And they've, they're telling us about all their experiences that they've had in heaven, making lots of money, thousands of dollars from their, from their publishing as well. And everyone's getting so excited. Oh, wow, look at this, what's happened here? Oh, friends, we don't need that. If you've got any of those books in your home, throw them in the rubbish bin. That's what you need to do. Go back to the Bible. That's all you need. Many, one or two of these people have actually had the decency and honesty to come out and said, actually, it wasn't quite true. It wasn't quite right what happened. Oh, friends, be careful. Be careful of our own words. Some Christians fall into, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. No, friends, uh, he didn't uh, hear what the Scriptures say. Don't listen out for a, a voice. Don't listen out for the Spirit speaking. 
uh, to you. And don't listen out for audible voices. Learn the Word. Get to know the biblical principles. Get to understand what God is teaching and saying. If somebody, somebody put it in this way. If somebody says to you, I want to hear the voice of God, well, you tell them, read the Bible. And if they persist and say, no, I want an audible voice, well, then you said, read the Bible out loud. And that's the way to do it. That's what we need. Just the Scriptures, friends. It's sufficient uh, for us. Well, let's just quickly look in our remaining time at uh, the remaining part of that verse. In verse 16, the Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Bible is useful for us in these different ways. For doctrine, for learning. Oh, friends, there is so much that we still do not know. There's so much as believers. We may have walked with the Lord for many, many years, and we still stumble over some things, and there are still areas, there are still gaps in our knowledge. The doctrine simply means teaching. And that's what we need is more uh, teaching. The Bible is profitable for us. It's a learning book. We always ever will be students of the Word. Always learning, always coming to know the things of God are better. It's so necessary, friends, uh, for our spiritual growth. It's sometimes when you are uh, witnessing maybe and uh, you're asked the question, why are there so many problems in the world? Or somebody did to me yesterday, he said, and I said, I asked him, why are you not a believer? Why are you not a Christian? And he said, oh, religion is the cause of all wars. Well, how do we answer that? How do we answer these kind of questions that are thrown at us? That's if, it's, if we realize I cannot answer, well, that's an opportunity to go back and study the Word and find out an answer and to uh, uh, gain, grow in our understanding. What does the Bible say on that matter? If you read the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, I've just quote, quoted it to you earlier. Have you read it, friends? It's a wonderful summary of all the doctrines that we believe, from the first things, the Bible, to the last things, uh, the things that will happen at the end of the world, and all in between. Oh, friends, get a hold of it. It's so short, you can read it and think about it. It's such a help. It's such a blessing. We need to know about modern modern things. Somebody asks you about tongues and tongue speaking. Is that biblical? Are the gifts for today? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach? We need to know. What about the Lord's Day? What does the Bible say about that? On true conversion. All these different teachings we need to be familiar with. About God, of course, and Christ, and the Spirit, and heaven, and hell. All these things, friends, the Bible speaks so much but then also, it's profitable for us for reproof. Oh, friends, when we read the Scriptures, sometimes it reproves us, isn't it? And sometimes we need reproof. And it's good that the Lord reproves us through His Word. Maybe I've been spiritually lazy. And then I read that verse, Awake thou that sleepest. And I'm, it convicts me. And I say, oh yes, I must change. I must not be spiritually sleepy. Maybe I've been prayerless and I've, my prayer, prayer time has, minim, has come to minimum now four or five minutes or what I can do on the way to, to work. And that's the, the limit of my prayer time. And then I read, pray always. Or, why sleep ye? Arise and pray. 
the Lord said to his disciples, and that, re- that convicts me, and I, that's a rebuke to me, and I, w- I want to uh, change, and it, it awakens me, it stirs me. Do you remember what the Lord said to the church uh, at uh, Ephesus? He said, you've done all these works, that's wonderful, but I have one thing against you. You've left your first love. You left your first love. As many as I love, I rebuke. So there are rebukes, reproofs. There are kindness from us, for, uh, kind rebukes from the Lord for us. For correction is the next thing. Uh, for setting something right, uh, to set something upright again, which is uh, lopsided, uh, to set something right again, which is wrong. The amending of our life, the correcting of our life, the reforming of our life. And the Spirit of God is, um, uh, uh, works through the Word of God to correct those things that are amiss in us. And then instruction in a righteousness, which teaches us about our duties to God and our duties to man. So friends, when you read the Scriptures, ask these questions. Is there a duty here for me towards God? or a duty towards fellow believers, or towards uh, all, all people? Is there a doctrine here about God, about Christ? What is this passage? What's it saying, and what's it teaching me? Is there a reproof for me, or is there some correction for me, some aspect of my life I need to put right, I need to change? Ask these questions as you read every day. And then let me just very quickly... I know time is almost gone, but if you turn with me to our reading in Acts chapter 8, and uh, we read of this Bible reader, the Ethiopian uh, eunuch, and in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 onwards, uh, we read how uh, diligently he read the Scriptures, and we can just pick up some certain things from what happened to him. And I'll just give you some bullet points uh, because our time is short. The Ethiopian, firstly, he was reading, he was a reader of the scriptures. He was reading Isaiah in his carriage on his way back uh, to Ethiopia from uh, Jerusalem. So be a reader of the scriptures. And then he wanted to understand it. When Philip asked him, understandest thou what thou readest? He said, how can I, except some man should guide me? So he was, he wanted to understand the word. He was teachable and willing to learn from others. He desired Philip, come, and come up to my chariot, sit with me, explain this word to me that I'm reading. What does it mean? Uh, he wanted to know. He, was, he wasn't saying, don't go away. I can figure out things by myself. I don't need you. I don't, I've got the Spirit of God myself. No, friends, he, he was willing to learn from others. He was asking questions, verse 34, after... Uh, he mentioned the place where he was reading, and it was about the suffering of the Messiah and how when the Messiah would come, he would go through his suffering, and he, he wouldn't utter a word as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. That was a reference to Christ. But the, the man didn't understand it. Who is this referring to? He's asking questions. Who is he referring to, to himself or to somebody else? And it needed Philip to come alongside and show him it's referring to the Messiah. It's referring, he preached unto him Jesus. And that's so important, friends. See Christ 
in every passage of Scripture. Look especially for Jesus when you're reading the, the Scriptures. P Philip opened his mouth, verse 35, and he preached unto him Jesus from that Scripture. And then he believed, the, the eunuch believed what he read. Uh, he believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, as Philip had told him. And finally, he responded to it by getting baptized. So friends, uh, what a, an example even here in this Ethiopian eunuch for us uh, to follow. So we have the Word of God in our hands. The most precious gift that the God has given to us as well as His Son, He has given us uh, His Word. Value it. Value it above everything else. Esteem it very, very highly. Think, thank God uh, for it. Oh, friends, love your Bible. Love your Bible. Read your Bible every day. Think on it. Know your Bible. Understand your Bible. Frame your life by its teachings. This is what we need more than all, esteem, Job said, I esteem the words of your mouth, God's mouth, the, the, these words, more than my necessary food. He, he longed for the scriptures. And as that uh, Sunday school hymn, uh, the chorus that we sing sometimes in the Sunday school, the best book to read is the Bible. Friends, is that true for us? Make it so, friends, if it's not. If we put it away, Bring it back out, study it, love it, live by it. Oh, may God bless us in these things. Let's turn to our final hymn, number 336, Inspirer of the Ancient Seers, 336. <laughs> 